Take our Bibles, go to, to Ephesians chapter number four again, Ephesians chapter number four, and uh, I, I believe this will be our last um, message in this series that we've been preaching on revival, and of course the, the idea, the thought behind it was uh, perhaps to uh, help us kind of set our hearts and our minds toward revival so that when it arrived, the week arrived, we were, uh, we were thinking along those lines and, and perhaps we were already living in a place of revival before the meeting even began. And I trust that maybe for some of you, that was uh, what the Lord did in your heart and in your life. And um, as, uh, as uh, things would go, the last time we were together, we uh, got into uh, the message, but we only got through the introduction. And so I'm going to preach the remainder of the message to you, give you the points that we find here in this text. Uh, and it'll be, again, that on this emphasis of revival. And I suppose that's of the Lord, that we would continue that theme even after the week is over, because we certainly understand that though the week of revival is over, our need for revival and to continue living in revival is not. Uh, that's something that uh, really needs to uh, continue throughout all of our days. And of course, it's a constant struggle. I understand that, and uh, you understand that as well. Uh, but the more we say about it, the more emphasis we give to it. Our pastor when we were Bible college used to say, you reap a harvest where you place an emphasis. And, uh, and so we've really, I believe we've reaped a harvest this year as we've emphasized the Holy Spirit, and I believe we can reap a harvest as well as we emphasize the subject or theme of revival. Look in Ephesians chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 17. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Perhaps over the last 24 to 36 hours or so, you've asked yourself the question as you have watched some of the footage that has come from the Middle East, how could anyone do such a thing? How could you? How could you do that to a, you know, to an innocent? I understand. Listen, wars happen, and, and and soldiers fight against soldiers. But but what we're seeing is we're seeing atrocities committed against civilians on both sides. How could so, how could something like that happen? And here's the answer: um, when you walk in the vanity of your mind, uh, when your heart is blinded, when you're ignorant to God's truth, oh, you can you can do any you can do any um, any level of sin. Um, the Bible says in verse number 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You may want to mark that word renewed. Renewed in the spirit of your mind is really the emphasis that we're looking at. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, just, by, just very, very briefly by way of review, we talked about the fact that when you got saved, the battle in your life, it, it transitioned. Uh, before you got saved, there was a battle between God and Satan for your soul. And the two waged war. And of course, Jesus won that war when he died on the cross, when he was buried, and he rose again the third day. That war is won for every man, every woman, every boy and girl. But they must believe. 
Now, they must place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So we come to him by faith. Uh, salvation is by grace, by God's grace, through the faith of a man or a woman or a boy or girl. And, um, and, and so understand that at your conversion, the battle didn't end. The war didn't end. The, the war transitions now no longer over your soul, God and the devil fighting over your soul, but now it is God and the devil warring or fighting over your life, over your testimony, over, uh, over the way that you're going to live. And that's why revival becomes so necessary, so needful in our lives because living in this sinful flesh, it is it is, a, it is a regular occurrence that we find ourselves sometimes drifting into sin and drifting into unrighteousness and drifting into a life that is not pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has provided a way for our mind and our spirit to be renewed. And so that's the fight. The fight is this. The devil wants you to stay in a, in a period, in a season of complacency spiritually. He wants you to stay in a, in a place of lethargy. He, if, if you're, listen, if you are, if your life is given over to some dominating sin, the devil wants you to stay right there. Perhaps maybe tonight you come into this room and, and uh, your life dominating sin is anger. Boy, you just, you fly off the handle at the drop of just something so small and insignificant. Understand this, listen, there is a war that is being played out in your life. The God of heaven is trying to give you victory over that, just like he was capable of giving you victory over, uh, over your sin and, and over, over death, and he's giving you eternal life. He wants to give you victory over your anger. But you know what the devil wants? The devil wants you to stay there for the rest of your days. Maybe, maybe it's some other thing. Maybe you're, maybe you're given over to some type of substance abuse. Perhaps maybe might even be on a Sunday night, Cleveland Baptist Church, for somebody in this room that struggles with drugs, struggles with alcohol, struggles with cigarettes. Maybe someone came into this room tonight and the struggle of your life is, uh, is pornography, which is so much more accessible today than it's ever been. And I just want you to know something. The devil wants you to stay right there. He wants you to stay right there. Now, now stop and think about this for a moment because if you're saved and you're struggling in that area, you know, you know that thing's eating you up. You know it's eating you up. It is the most troubling thing to you. It is the, the one glaring area of your life that you can't seem to get victory over. And then stop and think about this. The God of heaven, the God of heaven is saying, I want to give you victory. And then think about this, the devil who oftentimes disguises himself as an angel of light, he, he's the one who's saying, I want to keep you in this. Think about that. Who, who cares more about you? Who loves you? Who wants what's best for your life? It's the God of heaven who's saying, I want to renew the spirit of your mind. I want to give you victory in this area. And yet so many times we, we slip right back into the devil's ways. We fall right back into his trap. Now understand this, listen, revival, revival is, a, is, 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 about, is about getting victory. Revival is about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Now he's writing to the church here at Ephesus. And we understand, okay, this church is, has a great name and has a great testimony. But as you looked at the last service that we were in together, we understand that later on down the road, probably 25, 30 years later, the Lord Jesus Christ wrote a letter to this church. And he does praise them for some things. Then he says this, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He says, you've left your first love. And then he says this, he says, remember and repent. 
and do the first works. That's revival. Revival is understanding, okay, this is the area that I'm wrong. It's remembering, it's repenting, and it's getting back to doing what God would have me to do. Now, as we wrap up this series, I want to point out a few truths about renewal or revival from our text that I think have really been helpful to me. I hope they'll be helpful to you. Number one, let me say this, that personal revival begins in your mind. Personal revival begins in your mind. Look in verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Look in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now Solomon, King Solomon, wrote, wrote some words that were consistent with, with this thought or this idea. Here's what he says in Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Apostle Paul would write these words in Romans 8 and verse number 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's really what this is all about. If you're living in revival tonight, then you're spiritually minded. If you're, if you're not living in revival tonight, then understand this, you are carnally minded. And the Bible says that to be carnally minded is to be dead spiritually. That's death, to be carnally minded. Now, we might think that revival begins with some outward act or transformation. And, and maybe for all of our lives, we've thought that. Well, I, I just know that when revival comes, the church will be fuller and there'll be more people in the church. I just know when the revival comes that people will sing louder and that people will give more and that people will volunteer to serve more and that people will carry more tracks and give out more tracks and that when we get together, boy, people will, will raise their hand in church in a, in, a, in a sign that they're at one with the Lord and there will be just a spirit of worship and you'll be able to feel it. That's when revival comes. And I want to remind you something, that, that that's not when revival comes. Revival comes when we begin to think in a spiritual way. Revival comes when we're spiritually minded. That's what the Bible teach, teaches. Paul is urging the believers of Ephesus. He says, listen, here's what I want you to do first. What, what is the first thing? The first thing is this, to think right. That's what he's saying. He, he, listen, listen, we're going to get to a list of things at the end of this chapter of things that people ought to be doing. But listen, you'll never get there. You'll never get there so long as you're carnally minded. You'll never get there. You'll, you'll remain where you are. You'll, you'll never get the victory in your life so long as you're not thinking in the right way. Again, the end of the chapter is going to focus on doing right. But one cannot do right until they are first thinking right. Now, as we think about this, the person who needs revival the most in this room, you know who that is? It's not, it's not the person who's maybe living in some, uh, in some way that maybe isn't the, isn't the greatest. No, listen, the person I think who needs revival the most is the one who thinks they don't need it. That's the person who needs revival the most. Listen, I have, I have, met, I have met godly people who love the Lord and, 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 and in their love for the Lord, they're, they're wrestling, they are wrestling right now with a, with a life-dominating sin. They're wrestling with it. But man, do they love Jesus. And it bothers them when they give themselves to this life-dominating sin. 
It eats them up, and there's repentance, and there's a desire to get right. And they, listen, they might, look, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that a just man falls seven times and rises up again. So, so there, is, there is going to be, from time to time, there are going to be struggles in our lives. I'm telling you, the person that needs revival the most in this room is the person that's sitting here right now, and they're saying, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. This is for, oh, I know who this is for. I sure wish. They start, you're look, if you're looking around the room right now, and you're saying, I wonder if so-and-so is here to get this. More than likely, listen, more than likely, they don't need it nearly as much as you do. The person who needs revival the most is the one who doesn't think that they need it. Listen, revival is necessary when we have allowed our minds to be corrupted and when we begin to think the way the lost world thinks. The lost world, they focus on things like my rights, my truth, my life. The lost world, they think carnally before they ever do carnal deeds. What unfolded yesterday in the Middle East, listen, that that plan's been in place for a long time. There have been people that have been drawing that up and making plans. Here's what we're going to do, and we're going to have some people, and they're going to go in by the water, and some people are going to go in by, by air, and some people are going to go in by, by ground, and, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to kidnap innocent people, and we're going to mutilate them, and we're going to do horrible things. Listen, that, nobody just woke up yesterday and said, let's, let's try something today. No, no, there, there's a plan there. There's a, there's a thinking that goes in, just like a thinking accompanies any wicked deed, As believers, listen, we think it's okay to think carnally so long as we don't act upon it. And we've tolerated that. Man, we we, we sit in our pew and we can hardly look across the auditorium at that fellow brother or sister without rage and envy filling our hearts. And we tolerate that and we're okay with that just so long, so long as I don't let anybody know. Just so long as I don't let anybody know. Boy, we, we, we might in a private moment, we might log on to some websites, we might visit some places on our cell phones, some apps that we ought not to be visiting and we ought not to be involved in, and we think, listen, it's okay, it's not hurting anybody. I'm not doing anything with it. It's just, it, it's just some innocent fun. In some respects, listen, we, we, we think, we've convinced ourselves that as long as I don't do the outward deed, as long as I don't act upon it, it's okay. I'm here to remind you, I'm here to remind you that the Apostle Paul writes and he says, don't walk that way. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Instead, have a mind that is renewed. Listen, if we were to have access to your thoughts tonight, would we all agree that you need a spiritual renewal or revival? And if you were to have access to my thoughts tonight, if they were to be portrayed here on the screen, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I've allowed to enter into my mind, what I've tolerated for a significant period of time. Would you say, hey, Pastor Pete is carnally minded, and as a result, that's death. Or, or would we say, no, no, I mean, you know, we're all struggling from time to time, but by and large, Pastor Pete or I or whoever else we're talking about in this room is spiritually minded, which is life and which is peace. Understand that personal revival begins in the mind. It begins in the mind. Notice, secondly, what a man, number two, what a man does flows out of how a man thinks. What a man does flows out of how a man thinks. Look in verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling 
have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with grievance. Now, I want you to see the pattern here. The pattern is very clear that it begins here in the mind and then it flows out of the mind to all uncleanness, lasciviousness, uncleanness with greediness, but it all starts right up here. Why is it so important that your mind be renewed? Paul said about the Gentiles in verse number 19 that they had given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, the word lasciviousness, it means looseness. It means irregular indulgence of animal desires, wantonness, lustfulness. That's the definition of the word lasciviousness. It's a big word. We don't use it often. But understand, it means, listen, it means sin of the grossest, most vile, most things that we wouldn't, we wouldn't even feel comfortable naming in here. That's what the Bible teaches. So Paul's characterization of the Gentiles or of unbelievers is not a favorable one here. He is not complimenting them, but rather he is condemning them. He, listen, he even said that they are so wicked that they are past feeling. They are dull or insensitive to the normal restraints that would hold a man back from doing certain things. Here's what he's saying. In essence, he's saying this, that their conscience no longer works right. I want to give you an illustration of this. Recently, a video came out. It was online. Perhaps you've seen it. It's horrible. But a video came out of two young men who were driving a vehicle down the street. The one young man that's filming the video, he must have his phone or whatever he's filming with, he must have it outside the window, and in the distance is a man who's just leisurely riding his bike down the street. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And there's some conversation, I don't even know that the words are, are discernible between these two men, but there's a conversation and they decide, hey, let's run this guy over. And they do. It's, it's, it's on video, it went, it went viral, it was all over the place. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you not see it. But I'm trying to illustrate, I'm trying to illustrate what we find in verse number 19. We're, 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 we're living in a world who is past feeling. We're living in a world that has, has given themselves over, listen, to animal desires. That's what an animal does. Now, now probably not even all the time. But, but, you, but you know that, that an animal, something can overcome an animal, wild animal in the wild somewhere, and it could get hold of its prey, and it, and it could just absolutely just toy around with it. I'm just playing with it. I'm just torturing this thing. They're, 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 the mind isn't discerning this is good, this is evil, this is wrong, I need to stop this. No, they're just living by instinct. It's how animals live. And I'm just simply saying, listen, there ought to be a difference between the way animals live and the way men live. See, see we're better than that. God has given us a conscience. God has given us an ability to discern right from wrong. In that video, they ran the man over. I think he was a retired police chief. They ran him over. He died. He did not recover from that. He was out for just a, he was out for a, a, a ride on the street. And there were, there were some young men. They were young men, teenagers, late teens, I believe. And they had, listen, they were past feeling. Because listen, if, you, if you're functioning like a normal human being tonight, you would never do something like that. Never. 
to an in- so they didn't even know this man. It wasn't like this was, you know, let's, let's follow so-and-so as he rides his bike and let's, you know, let, let's see what we can do. No, there was, there was no under, they had no idea who he was. That's called past feeling. And I want you to understand, listen, listen, that, that the, the conscience of a man like that doesn't work right anymore. We would all agree that those young men, they were past feeling. They had given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Sometimes animals kill just for the fun of it. How does a man get to the point where he behaves more like an animal than he does like a human being? Well, consider the phrases in the preceding verses. Look at them, verse number 17. He says, don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Look in verse number 18. Having the understanding darkened. Next phrase, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So, so here's, here's, what, here's what he's saying. Listen, listen, this type of thing is happening in the heart and in the mind long before it is ever perpetrated in a real way. Try, I'm trying to help you understand that it is, it is, it is not okay to tolerate a mind that is given over to wickedness. That, that if you're here tonight and you're thinking on things that you ought not to be thinking on, if you've given yourself over to something like that, listen, you need revival. You need to be renewed. That's what you need. The Gentiles, listen, they walked disorderly because they thought disorderly. It is not possible It is not possible to allow corruption to enter our minds without experiencing corruption eventually in our lives, in our bodies, and in our world. I think the the verses might appear on the screen, but Jesus said in Mark, Mark 7, verse number 20, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So if you're here tonight, and you've tolerated some of, some of this list or maybe some other things that aren't even mentioned here, understand, listen, that, that comes from within and that is what you ought to be most concerned about tonight. See, in our minds, we think, well, I don't have revival because, you know, because, well, my haircut isn't quite right. Or I don't have revival because, you know, this or the, the, you know, this standard that somebody had, I, I'm not living up to that standard. And, and I don't know that I can ever live up to No, no, listen, listen, revival has nothing to do with that. Revival is getting the mind renewed. It is, it is, getting, it is getting our thoughts to align with God's thoughts. It is being spiritually minded as opposed to being carnally minded. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse number seven, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Are you tolerating some some thoughts that you know are not pleasing to God? Are you thinking tonight, are you thinking in a carnal way? Perhaps maybe the devil has convinced you Remember, he comes to us as an angel of light. He's convinced you, it's, that's not a big deal. I mean, look at this person. Look what he's actually doing. You're just, you're just, you're just your thoughts are not right. But that's not a big deal because nobody knows. I want you to understand something. It is a huge deal. Because the apostle Paul said, listen, if you start walking with the Gentiles walk, 
And if you start, you start thinking like a Gentile thinks, it won't be long before you start doing what a Gentile does. That's the point of the whole matter. How a man thinks, what a man does flows out of how a man thinks. Number three, can I share with you, can I remind you that Christ alone can renew your mind. Christ alone can renew your mind. Look in verse number 20, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul, Paul is saying, listen, you, you know better. You, you don't have to live that way. No, no, Christ, Christ Jesus has impacted your mind. He's writing to believers in Ephesus and he's instructing them to not walk as Gentiles. Again, this could indicate, I believe this could indicate that if he's telling them not to do it, that they could do it. Yeah, there'd be some that say, you know, no, a believer could never do this, that, or the other thing. I, I would just say that, that, that Paul is telling them, don't, don't walk that way in the vanity of your mind. Because I think he's saying you can do that. And all of us probably would have to admit there have been times in which we have done that. We have walked in the vanity of our mind, and it is never a good thing. Let me ask this question. Have you ever walked as a Gentile in your Christian life? It's a good question to ask. Is it possible, maybe even some here tonight, you're living, you're thinking, you're acting, you're, you're walking as a Gentile, as an unbeliever would walk? I think most of us would have to answer the yes to that question. Listen, we are involved in a war between God and Satan, not for our souls. Our souls have been redeemed, but we're involved in a war for our lives and our Christian testimony. Christ wants to make us more and more pure, while Satan wants to make us more and more impure. Paul indicates here in this text that a believer has a choice to make when it comes to hearing Christ and being taught by Christ. If you spend enough time, if I spend enough time away from hearing Christ and being taught by him, I'm going to be in desperate need of renewal or revival. Now, how does Christ renew our minds? Two ways. Number one, he renews our minds by speaking to us through his word. Look what he says in verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him. Now, is there a person in this room that has personally heard? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Please, don't raise your hand because that might be a problem. Is there anybody in this room that has personally heard the voice of Jesus? None of us have. None, none of us None of us have personally heard him. And yet Paul is, Paul is saying, and likely the church that he's writing to, this is a church in Asia Minor, most of them, most of them never heard the, the actual voice of Jesus. So what is he talking about when he says, if so be that ye have heard him? Let me ask this question tonight, church family. Have you heard Jesus? That's not a trick question. I was, I was being a little humorous a minute ago. I was speaking of in an audible sense. No one in this room has heard Jesus in an audible sense. He, he doesn't communicate to us in that way. But listen, you've heard Jesus tonight, haven't you? If you've read this book, you've heard Jesus. Christ, listen, he speaks to us, he speaks to us by the use of his word, this Bible. Listen, the older I get, the longer I live, the more precious this book becomes. It's such a precious book. I, I can think of times in my Christian life where I had very little time for the Bible. And by the way, usually, usually my life bore that truth out. It was usually pretty obvious. You didn't have to spend a lot of time with me to know, hey, he's not in the Bible very much. Because a man, listen, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, a young person who's in God's word, they're in the Bible. Listen, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. 
There's just, a, there's just a difference this book makes in a life. Listen to what the Bible says about itself in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even in the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever, have you ever read a, a passage of scripture and you thought, that's me? How did, how, how did Paul know how did Paul know what I would be thinking and what I would be doing and what I would be wanting? How is that even possible? Because this book's alive. It's living. Listen, listen, this book is not like any other book. It is powerful. It penetrates to the very heart of man, to the mind of man, to the soul of a man. The word, listen, the word of God is the cleansing agent that God uses to renew our minds. See, some of you are sitting here saying, okay, I want to be renewed. I want to be spiritually minded, but I don't know how to be. Yes, you do. Get in this book and read it and study it and live by it. Man, keep a little, keep a little piece of paper handy and write things down as God speaks to your heart out of this book, out of his word. Read it every day. Make it one of the very first things that you do, or perhaps make it the very last thing that you do before you go to bed so that when you wake up in the morning, the word of God is in your heart and it is in your mind. Listen, listen, put, put, Bible verses all over your house, put them in your car, put them at your office, determine, hey, listen, I'm going to live by this book. The word of God is the cleansing agent. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Psalm 119 and verse number nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That word wherewithal is just a big word. It basically just says, how in the world is a young man going to get clean? How's he going to get clean? Aren't you glad that God gives us the answer? How are you going to get clean, church? How are you going to get clean, you, you that are carnally minded? Taking heed thereto, according to thy word. If so be that ye have heard him. Are you hearing Christ tonight? The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know what I, you know what I think? When somebody comes to me and they, and they say, listen, Man, I just keep falling in this one area, man, just over and over and over again. You know what I think, I, I think you're doing? You're telling on yourself. You're telling on yourself. You say, what am, I, what am I saying about myself? I think what you're saying is I've not committed God's word to me my memory. Because the Bible says if I, if I hide God's word in my heart, I'm not going to sin against him. I'm going to have victory in an area in which I struggled all along. The Bible says in John 15 and verse number 3, Jesus is speaking. He says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Listen, you might have come into this service tonight and you're burdened and you're troubled with the state of your mind and you think to yourself, I'm never gonna get the victory. I've been living like this for far too long and I'm here to let you know there is hope. And the hope is this. Listen, your mind can be renewed, listen, by hearing the voice of Jesus. So we're gonna hear the voice of Jesus. You're gonna hear it as you get into this book. Bible, listen, Jesus said, Jesus said, I, Jesus, the Bible says about him that he is the word. He is the word. This book is him, and he is this book. Your mind can be renewed as you allow this book to have influence in your life. But notice there's a second way that he renews our minds. He renews our minds by teaching us through the Holy Spirit. Now look what he says. He says, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus promised that in his absence, he would send to them the comforter. 
Comfort is the Holy Ghost. And one of the Holy Ghost's responsibilities would be to teach believers his truth. I want you to hold your place here in Ephesians 4. We're almost done tonight. Go with me to John chapter 14, would you? John chapter 14, what's happening here is this is the upper room. Jesus is getting ready to give his life, and then shortly after that, we know that he is going to ascend back to heaven, and he's not going to be with them anymore. And he, and he uses the time in the upper room to prepare them for what is coming. All along, you've been trying to, to share these things with them, and they hadn't really gotten it, but he really, he really gets very specific at this point in time. But he says this, he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. Look what he says in verse number 26, would you? John 14, verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice the next phrase. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now let me ask you this question. What does Jesus tell us the Holy Spirit is going to do for us in his absence? What does he tell us, church? He's going to teach. He's going to teach us. He's going to teach us all things. Look in uh, John 16, just a chapter or two over. John 16, look in verse number 13. It says, how be it when he, Jesus is still speaking, same upper room, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. You know what that that is? That's That's just another way of saying he will teach. He's our teacher. The Holy Spirit of God is our teacher. Um, go, to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look in a couple of verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. But God hath revealed them unto us, notice, by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Listen, you cannot know the things of God apart from the spirit of God. You're just a man. I'm just a man. So God sends the Holy Spirit, and he reveals these things to us. Look in verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Listen, church family, the Holy Spirit of God is your teacher. He's your teacher. Say, how do I get my mind renewed? You need to get into this book and you need to read it often. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. And you need to determine, as God speaks to me, as he teaches me from this book, I'm going to do it. But that's not all. You you need to say to the Holy Spirit of God, listen, I, I want you to teach me. Teach me what you want me to know. Guide me into all truth. It's been a while since you... Ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach you. You know, we, we have, um, as, as, as Baptists sometimes, I'm afraid, not just Baptists, but I think maybe even the broad spectrum of evangelical Christianity, we're almost afraid of the Holy Spirit because there has been a denomination, the Charismatics, the Pentecostals, and, um, and they have almost, they've almost hijacked the Holy Spirit so that we're almost afraid to talk because we don't want anybody to think that we're charismatic. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, you know, that I'm a... I'm a I'm a wild guy running around and speaking in tongues and that sort of thing. But listen, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that as a result, we don't know the Holy Spirit like we ought to. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. He wants to teach you. He wants to reveal to you things that you ought to know. 
He wants to tell you how to live. He wants to tell you how to serve, how to love, how to please God. Listen, you and I have a dynamic, transforming presence inside of us in the Holy Spirit of God that wants to teach us truth. And as he does so, listen, as he does so, you and I are renewed. Lastly tonight, all will know, number four, all will know that revival has come when you and I put off the old man and put on the new man. We don't have time to get into it. Verses 22 to 32, we find that the old man is to be put off. There's some things, listen, there's some things in your Christian life that don't look good on you anymore. I've talked about this before here, but there are, there are clothes that I used to wear that if I wore them today, it would look very silly on me. Some of, those, some of those clothes are outdated. Some of those clothes no longer fit one way or another. I'll let you guess which way that is. Some, some of those clothes, they, they've just, over time, they've, worn, they've, they've been worn out and they might have a hole in the knee or they might be faded in a certain area and they just would not look right. Some of those clothes might, might have stains from when I've eaten a meal or whatever the case might be. And so if I were to wear that, you would, you would say, oh, Pastor Pete, that doesn't look right on you. It doesn't fit right. That's out of style. We used to wear that 20 years ago. And I, I've, I've learned, hold on to your clothes from 20 years ago because it'll come back, right? You know that. But I'm just simply saying, there are some things, listen, there are some things that you and I could put on as believers that don't look good on us anymore. And the Apostle Paul says those things need to be removed from your wardrobe and those things need never be put back on. And we could, we could work through this list. It's a, it's a wonderful list. 25, he talks about putting away lying. That's something that doesn't look good on a Christian anymore. Verse number 26 talks about putting away um, sinful anger. There is an anger that is, I think it is a righteous anger, and it's, and, and it's okay. But a sinful anger, that doesn't look good on you anymore. Stealing, verse number 28, that doesn't look good on you anymore. Corrupt communication proceeding out of your mouth doesn't look good on you anymore. If, if, you were to, if you were to walk into a place and you were to see me speaking in a vile way, maybe perhaps cursing or swearing or maybe saying something very inappropriate, you would say, whoa, whoa, I would have never, never thought you talked like that. Why? Because as a, as, a, as a believer, much more than just even as a pastor, as a believer, it just doesn't look good. By the way, I would say the same thing about you. It doesn't look good on you. Put it away, put it off, and put the new man on. Verse number 31, bitterness needs to be put away, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice, all of that needs to be put away. The, remo- the renewed mind that has been set free from its carnal lusts puts off the former things and puts on a brand new wardrobe. By the way, that wardrobe is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. You cannot, listen, you cannot have revival while tolerating deceit, sin, Sinful, uncontrolled anger, stealing, thievery, corrupt communication, bitterness, evil in your life. Holy, listen, holy living is the product of revival. In other words, that's, the, that's what grows out of revival. But listen, that isn't revival. Revival is what happens in the mind. It's what happens in the mind. We're wondering, why don't we have revival? It's because we're, we're, we're still thinking carnally. We're carnally minded, which is death. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen, it is possible, it is possible that you will have revival long before, long before anybody knows you have it. Because revival is when someone is renewed in the spirit of their mind and you start thinking right. And here's what God does. God begins to put the pieces of your life together as they ought to be. And before long, you've put off the old man and you've put on the new man 
Because the old man doesn't look good on you anymore. The new man, the new man, that's what you need to be wearing. That's what I need to be wearing. And that doesn't happen because we just determine we're going to do it. No, it happens because we allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to renew our mind.